I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial. The best in your sports talk for Wednesday, July the 17th. I'm your host, D.A. And in the NFL world, people are wondering whether the pro football talk report out there is accurate. Will Ezekiel Elliott, one of the best running backs in football, hold out of training camp and perhaps playing time if he does not get a contract extension? So much has been made about paying running backs Sounds like Zeke is at least thinking about trying to get his before he can't anymore. Here is NFL insider for Sports Illustrated, Albert Breer, who joined 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland with Bull and Fox. How do you think this situation plays out, and will Zeke hold out? Well, let's start here, Dustin. It's a good problem to have, and I think it's a problem that you guys in Cleveland hope that you have in two or three years, and enough of those guys stand out where you got to pay a lot of them at once. Um, so I do think that it, it, I think what a lot of people miss on this is that it does reflect the job that the Cowboys have done in putting the roster together. There are a lot of good young players there that they, they got to take care of. And it's a credit to the personnel staff for putting that team together and the Joneses too. Um, you know, I think part of, you know, Zeke's motivation here is that he's got an idea of where he stands in line. Um, you know, Dak Prescott's clearly been sort of the priority the last couple of months as far as, you know, which contract's going to get done first. And then after that, I think Jeff Lombardi Cooper and Perfect going to justify giving up a first-round pick for him last year. And both those guys are in contract years. And so if you're Zeke Elliott and you're being told to wait your turn, and there isn't a ton of movement on the back, on the back front, and there isn't a ton of movement on the Amari Cooper, Cooper front, how do you move yourself to the front of the line? Well, the way to do it is to hold out. And so, um, look, if I'm Zeke Elliott, I would absolutely hold it out. Um, and I wouldn't say that for every player at every position, but at running back, I think you just you have to strike while the iron's hot. I think he's maybe the most valuable running back to his team in the NFL right now. Uh, and I think he's so valuable to their quarterback and who they are offensively. Um, he's got an opportunity to, 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 to cash in big time here. And at that position, you know, that sort of greatness is so fleeting and can go away so quickly. And we saw it with Todd Gurley last year. But I wouldn't blame him one bit if he decided to hold out. Yeah, it's, a, it's always tricky with the running backs, even the ones as good as him, right? Because you don't really want to pay running backs long-term deals, but obviously they don't want to lose him, so it's a tricky spot. I mean, you know, yeah. the, the Rams gave Gurley all that money, and they're probably regretting it right now. I I know I agree with you, and I, I heard – yeah, go ahead. Here's the thing, Bo, like just think like Zeke and Gurley are in a little bit of a different category in that if you look at the success of the young quarterbacks in those spots, it's so tied to the running back yeah. and the ability of, uh, to, 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 to work off of play action. And so I think that like the Rams and the Cowboys are in such unique situations because if you're taking away from the running back, if you're taking away the running back, you're really going to be taking away from the quarterback too. And yeah, I would argue there's nothing more important than the spot your young quarterback's in 
And this is, I think, a critical year for Dak Prescott's development, critical year for them with all the guys coming up for contracts and everything else. And, um, you know, I think you want to do your best to try to support your young quarterback. We've got a really good team. And, um, you know, I, I, I would normally, and 99% of running backs, I would say, you know, bite the bullet and find another one. But in a case like this, I have to say it's, I mean, Zeke Elliott's got a good case to get paid. And that's with the acknowledgement that I think because of all the off-field stuff, there's even another level yeah. that would make you a little nervous. I think there is an overwhelming paranoia amongst running backs and their agents about getting paid if they have any leverage whatsoever, even if it's in their rookie deal. I mean, Zeke and Melvin Gordon are both in their rookie deals, and I think they're worried that once they're done with their rookie contracts, they will not have the value in the open market because nobody out there in NFL free agency land seems to want to pay any money for running backs. Now, the New York Jets did end up spending money on Le'Veon Bell. However, Todd Gurley re-signed by the Rams, and suddenly that looks like wasted money because they couldn't even use him with his quote-unquote arthritic knee in the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. So if you have one of the best running backs in football getting that contract and suddenly looking like a bad investment, and nobody outside of the Jets seemingly had too much of an appetite for Le'Veon Bell does that mean that you've got to strike right now while the iron's hot, even if that means you are in the middle of your rookie contract? I think it's true. And to something else that Albert Breer brought up, so much of young quarterback success revolves around the ground game success. And if the Cowboys are willing to spend money on Dak Prescott long-term, do they have to bring back Zeke to make sure that he has a security blanket? I think that's probably where Zeke's camp looks at this as well. My guess is the Cowboys have to end up doing something monetarily for Zeke because they're going to have to do the same thing for Dak Prescott. Meantime, the newest edition of Madden's NFL football game for EA Sports is out, and some reason their player ratings become a news story. Once again, players talking about their own ratings, and most of them unhappy thinking they've been graded too low. Here's Ben and Woods on 97.3 The Fan in San Diego. Now, each player starts with a rating somewhere from 99 is the top rating for the player, and then it goes down from there. What's cool is they actually will adjust them during the season. Yep. As players are getting better or worse, they can change the ratings. But players always get a little, yeah, they overreact a little bit to where their number is set. There's four players this year who got the 99 the top rating, uh, Rams defensive lineman Aaron Donald, Texans wideout DeAndre Hopkins, Bears pass rusher Khalil Mack, and Seahawks linebacker Bobby Wagner uh, were the 499s. It's where you get below. Those guys had no problem with what they were rated at. It's when you start going lower than that <laughs> that players start wondering, well, what? Wait, wait why was I that low? Uh, a number of guys started responding on social media. It's so good. The responses on social media are incredible. Uh, I think I think it's pretty hilarious, actually. I mean, you see a few of them. Let's see. Uh, Tony Jefferson got an 84 and put up a T-shirt. I'm trash. I'm trash. I'm trash. <laughs> <laughs> What's the other one I like? Let's see. Uh, Michael Dixon uh, said, Madden must have forgot I'm averaging nine yards a carry. Crazy. Like, these dudes are really, really into... Uh, what their numbers are, and I, I, you know, I say it's dumb. I probably would do the exact same thing, to be honest with you, Ben. Um, the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthews, says 
Shout out Madden 99 Club, but how the hell isn't Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes not a 99? Good point. Yeah, I mean, it's no ain't no way Deshaun Watson's an 82. No wonder kids are playing Fortnite now. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, so one player who actually went on with a video Fortnite. rant. Oh, Fortnite. Fortnite. One player that went on with a video rant was Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver uh, Keenan Allen. And this is... Um, Actually, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers Twitter account sent this one out from Keenan uh, on his Madden rating, which was an, what did he get, an 87? 89, I believe, yeah. All right, Still pretty good. Not bad, but uh, not good enough for Keenan. And I just want to start this video off by saying I will not be playing Madden 20, period. All right, number one, uh, my overall is an 89, for sure. Uh, my short route running is a 91. My medium route running is an 88. What? Like, my deep route running is a 75. Like, bro, who's making this shit, dog? Wait, wait. Who did this? Speed's at 87. Like, bro, ain't nobody just running with me step for step like that, bro. Like, come on, dog. It's not that sweet out there, man. Like, what is you thinking? My strength is 69. Like, I'm a little boy. I'm just not understanding something. I'm not understanding. I'm an 89 on the game. Pro Bowl back to back. Thousands. I don't understand. What's up? Talk to me. <laughs> Talk to me. <laughs> Man, let's face it, this is a problem because this is just indicative of a culture right now that grades itself and thinks about its own self-worth in the terms of digital rankings and metrics and ratings. I mean, how often do you look at your Facebook friends or your Twitter followers or your Instagram followers or how many likes you get on a particular post and start thinking about yourself as, oh, I, I wish I had more likes or why didn't I get more likes or why don't I have more followers, etc.? This happens to everybody, and now it's happening to professional athletes as well who are saying, well, I don't want my colleagues and peers to look at me with a 91. I'm a 97, or I don't want to be an 84. I should be a 96. I mean, it's all these types of ridiculous, arbitrary metrics. These are just programmers in Silicon Valley that happen to assign you a certain value, and suddenly everybody in the NFL can't stop talking about it. This is a problem. Atlanta Falcons defensive tackle Grady Jarrett got himself a brand new contract extension this offseason. So he's trying to feel good for the upcoming season to validate that money. And he's a Clemson Tiger, and the Clemson Tigers are, of course, defending national champions. Here he is joining 92.9 The Game in Atlanta with Dukes and Bell. Whether it's high rib, high, high weight, I mean, I'll tell you, man, I'm strong as I've ever been in my life. And uh, from my nutrition to... Um, now, do conditioning, not, now do you everything. ever do you ever cook, chef? I, I don't know. Uh, or I, you I, just watch what you eat. I watch what I eat. You know, I don't have a chef. Like, I mean, if I want to cook, I cook myself. Okay, you feel me? but I, as far as like what to eat, stuff like that, all this stuff, like you know, I I I'm, have a good you know nutritionist that do that stuff for me. My trainer. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm telling you, man. I'm, I've been blessed, man, to be around some 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 good people to um, help me get the bones out of myself and. Um, I mean, I just can't wait for the work to be shown itself. You know? Okay. And, uh, how much how much cardio work are you doing, Grady? Oh, is, is it is it's, it a it's lot out of this world, man? Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm telling you, I can. So like, you're gonna be ready on Monday for practice and running and all that. That's no big deal. Come on, man. The work gonna show for itself. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so, I mean, the work gonna show for itself, man. We've talked about it from the outside because some media people go, "Ah, oh, brotherhood." What does that mean? Is it's real, right? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, um, I feel like the more work you put in with somebody, um, day in and day out. 
you got to grow a mutual respect for them. But also, you know, there has to be more than just the saying or the word. it got to be action. And um, I feel like we can take another step in that as far as how close we are together. And that's the exciting part about it because I feel like there's so much more out there for us. Even when times get hard, you know, we can't fall apart. And um, you can't take the light times, I mean, the hard times too lightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like a sense of accountability um, to one another can um, continue to make us better. So, I mean, it's a real thing, but like I say, it got to be something that's practiced week in and week out, day in, day out, and um, know that even tough love is love, you know, and can't be too many too many guys or things that, you know, where we get in our feelings about certain things, but come to somebody with respect and knowing you're holding to a high standard, but it's, it's something that got to be kept up. Something else, uh, something else is close to your heart. It's Clemson. Yeah, without a doubt. How good does it feel? To know you guys were on the cusp mm-hmm. when you were there. Like, mm-hmm. we, you were on the brink of kicking the door down. Yeah. And now Mike and I were saying this. It's Alabama-Clemson. It's Clemson-Alabama. Like, the whole program is thought of in a different way. Without a doubt. And we know that your class and the guys that came along the way with you, like we said, you were right there. And a lot mm-hmm. of people said, oh, Clemson won't be back. Not only are they back, they've been back every year. Every year. Man, it's, it's definitely amazing to see the success that those, those guys are having year in, year out just dominating in that championship game. And, um, you know, I'll come through the time of Clemson where the thing, the turn was Clemsoning. You know, we'll do good and go down or we'll do this and do that. And I remember I remember the time, you know, shoot, Dabble brought us in that thing one day. You know, like Clemson, and that's winning. You know, and, it, and, and even when people was trying to put us down and this and that, like we always had a 10-win season. When I was there, we had two 11-win seasons. And one ten win season, and no, it wasn't perfect. But the guys that was there in that program at the time, you know, laid the groundwork for the foundation of you know where they are now. And it's, it's so, it feels so good because the guys that's there having the championship success and having all the accolades now, they they thank us for that, you know, and thank us for you know doing that hard work to get the program up and running. And you know, Coach Swinney always make it a point to always remind the guys like, you know, this this didn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, you go right. you walk to that campus now, you see these facilities and you know, you might have some freshmen come in and be like, Yeah, I'm at Clemson, yeah, what this is what we do. Like, no, nah, it wasn't always like that. To go to Clemson <laughs> was not a sexy thing. It wasn't. You you like when I when I came in, we had a we had a like a top like I had top ten recruiting class for from a for a long time before Clemson had one. We had a lot of good players come in my class but you know now, shoot, man, they got to turn down some four and five stars, you know. But that's that's, that's the position you want to be in. So I mean, and you got coaches like, you know, Coach Swing and his coaching staff. Man, he surrounded himself with great coaches. And um, I mean, the sky's the limit, man. Look at they just had three D linemen going the first round. The Falcons routinely have one of the most talented teams in the NFL, and. They just can't seem to outrun the demons from losing that Super Bowl and choking away a 28-3 lead to the New England Patriots a few years ago. And if the Falcons ever got all of their crap together, they would be back in the Super Bowl. They are that talented. But it's a really interesting thought on the Clemson Tigers how now they're just a winning program. When Dabo took over, they were known to Clemson. They were Clemsoning, which means losing in big spots to lesser teams and now they're just known as winners total champs and I mean dismantling Alabama last year in the national championship game oh how far we've come with the dominance of the Tigers program elsewhere in college football Mike Leach this guy's a peach this guy's an icon this guy's must listen to radio every single time 
He joined Ben and Skin on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas and wanted to talk about Bigfoot. Yeah, of course, because it's Mike Leach. Man, you've been talking about some cool stuff on your timeline, so I thought we'd touch base. Like, for instance, you've been talking a lot about the hide-and-seek champion. Who, who is the hide-and-seek champ? Oh, Sasquatch is the hide-and-seek champion for uh, decades. Uh, I'll tell you, and I regret I didn't get it, um, I was in Cody, Wyoming for my high school reunion. I, I grew up in Cody, Wyoming. And um, I regret I didn't get it. They had a T-shirt there that said, uh, Sasquatch, hide-and-seek champion for decades. <laughs> and um, the Sasquatch stuff has kind of taken off some around uh, Washington State. You know, we'll go to the fundraiser, Sasquatch will appear. Um, you know, and so... Uh, so it's been kind of uh, kind of fun for everybody, and then um, and so I did get the T-shirt, which sort of sucks, and I kind of regret. And then um, and then uh, and then, of course, you know the the, the lesson that uh, that I think Sasquatch teaches all of us that we all need to be conscious of at all times is uh, Sasquatch says. Uh, if I don't believe in myself, no one else will. So always remember that. Yeah, I know it is a valuable lesson. And I think in this day and age of border hysteria, I'm fascinated that he does move so freely from the northern part of the United States back to his homeland in Sasquatcha land up there in Canada. Uh, he, and He gets around. And then also, uh, you know, there's definitely places that have gotten jealous and um, – claim Sasquatch sightings where it's allegedly not even its habitat. So, you know, who knows? Who knows? I, I, thinking about this, too, is there is a lot of hysteria. Uh, I was curious what your thoughts were on apparently a good part of the population rising up and storming Area 51. What is your thought on that endeavor, and is there much to find at Area 51? You know, it's kind of interesting. I, I will say this. There's something there, uh, and it's because uh, everybody that I know that's ever had any contact with it, um, you know, I have, uh, shoot, I have uh, relatives. I've had relatives. I've had friends and just random people I've run into. Um, they're all secretive about it. You know, they're all secretive about it. Uh, some of the individuals aren't so dynamic that it can be uh, too much mischief, or at least their role in it can't be. But nevertheless, they're secretive. Um, you know, my theory has always been that uh, whatever new stuff we have, we test it there. Um, now, if there, you know, if there are UFOs or we've found anything, I mean it's a logical place that they would store such things. Um, you know, and I don't, uh, uh, I don't know about this storm in area 51, if that's the brightest I see. I don't think, it, <laughs> I don't think that'll be quite as passively received as, uh, some of the Antifa guys that lurk in their parents' basement, uh, develop, a, a costume out of, um, you know, black, uh, clothing scraps. And then, go bat around uh you know individuals smaller than them i don't i don't know that it'll it'll be that uh smooth of a reception you know i mean if bigfoot doesn't believe in himself then who will 
if there's a better interview than Mike Leach on all things non-football, if there's a better spot than Mike Leach on Bigfoot or Geronimo or other icons throughout American history, I don't know it. Hearing Mike Leach talk about football, eh. Watching Mike Leach silently cool down his hot coffee cup before a press conference and then go into five minutes on hide-and-seek and Bigfoot, now that's living right there. In the Big Ten and in Ann Arbor, there is pressure on the Michigan football program and specifically Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh goes into year number five, and they can't beat Ohio State, and they can't win the Big Ten, and they can't get to the college football playoffs. So what else is there for Harbaugh to do besides win or pack your bags? Here's the guys on 97.1, the ticket in Detroit, in for the Jamie and Stoney show. This is year five for Jimmy Harbaugh, as you call him, Harfraud. No, 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 Harfraud. No, uh, uh, do I? Yeah, I yeah like, it's called the Harfraud to be on air with me. I, I feel like that, that, that no, it's, that's your line. Doesn't work. Either go way, on. either way, if this team doesn't go to Indy, they have three, the biggest three games at home. You've got Michigan State, not even early in the year. It's in November now. Ohio State regular. Notre Dame, not early in the year. It's in October. All at home. You've got a lot of losses on defense, but your offense should be good. Shea Patterson on the Maxwell list. If you don't go 3-0 in those games, go to Indy. What's the point after five years? I love that Wojo writes the fact or fiction on winning the Big Ten or not. I don't think they're going to. I hope I'm wrong. But what is the point after five years if this team can't even get to Indy? I wonder from Michigan fans, 248-539-9797, is it truly you have to win the Big Ten or bust? Because we all know Michigan fans. Michigan fans take it hard when they lose, but they immediately go into spin control and say, well, you know what? See how many kids are coming back next year? See the schedule. It looks favorable. I tell you what, two years, Harbaugh will have his own quarterback. Is it this year or bust? Because there's a lot of people that have given up on Harbaugh. There's also a lot of people that still believe that he is truly the savior, the guy to lead them where they need to be. But is this the year? Because I'm with you. Notre Dame, Michigan State, Ohio State, all at home. They go to Penn State. They go to Wisconsin. I think that Army game is going to be a little tough. Yeah, but they're going to be big favorites. But if they don't win the Big Ten this year, in what seems like a winnable Big Ten, you got to say to yourself, Enough is enough, and not that Ward Manuel would ever fire no, him. No, Harbaugh's totally safe, but I'm not even saying. But, but just I get wonder to in the mind of fans. I wanted to win the Big Ten, but just get to Indy. If they get to Indy, I'm fine. They, they probably would win against a team oh, of the hell West. No, but Indy at the minimum this season. You're fine. Oh, so so baby steps. Well, so no, it's but I'm saying they get to Indy and lose a close then, game, but they have to get to Indy. Like you're cool if Harbaugh just knows how to drive to Indy. Well, I, I don't think Michigan's GPS knows how to get there. Two four eight five three nine nine seven nine seven. Is it truly win the Big Ten or bust? Well, and listen, it's it's one of these things where you know not every like I mean Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney, Saban, Saban's another category, and so is Alabama and SEC. They didn't necessarily do anything in their first couple of years, but then things got better and better and better, and multiple national titles. It takes some time. I had someone call in. A cut like a couple months ago, and I said, you know, what's the minimum, bare minimum Harbaugh and Michigan need to do this year? And he's like, you know what? This year we'll see. But the schedule in year seven, year seven, the schedule in year seven, it's the fifth year. They've got all the biggest games at home, Tom. If they don't go to at least Indianapolis this year, to me, what is the point? Well, look, I don't think that Michigan's gonna fire Jim Harbaugh if he does not win the Big Ten this year. I think that they are 
understanding that he brings attention to the program. I'm sure that revenue is up, expectations are big, and attendance is high. So if you are Michigan, you know, is there a better fit for your program than Harbaugh? But, I mean, the reality is that Jim Harbaugh at some point in time is going to have to win big or else he's just more bark than bite. It's going to be more sizzle than steak. And this is a good year as the guys lay out their schedule and the expectations. I mean, this is a good year to have to go out there and and prove it and be able to prove that you're worth your money. I mean, Harbaugh is great at drawing attention, but he's clearly not great in coaching in between the stripes, in between the lines. And what he did at Stanford, remarkable. What he did with the Niners, very, very impressive. What he did with San Diego, very remarkable as well. But ultimately, you've now got the talent and the program and the finances in Michigan to get it done. you got to get it done or else you're just kind of an average head coach. And finally, on to the NBA where Sean Marks, Nets general manager, not taking any victory laps for signing Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but he is willing to speak about when he knew what he knew. Here he is with Joe and Evan on WFAN in New York. Oh, you must have, like, the biggest smile on your face right now. Admit it, Sean. You smile constantly now, don't you? (laughs) Well, I mean, there's still things that keep me up at night, but I appreciate you having me on, Evan, so thank you. All right, let's get down to business, all right? When did you feel confident that Kyrie Irving, we'll start with him, was going to come here? Was there a moment where you said, boy, this guy really wants to come here. He's going to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. When did that happen? You know, I think with Kyrie, it was it was probably a little bit like all the media reports that were out there. So I'm a little bit like everybody else. We're reading these reports, and we're seeing that, hey, things may not be, um, you know, as they may, as, as Boston might have liked, you know. So I don't know where he was going to go, but I knew, look, we're, we're close to home, and we're, we're – uh, a desired destination. So we, we knew we had a chance. But I think with free agency, as we've seen, not only this year, but we've seen the last couple of years, guys will, you know, will say they're going to do one thing and commit one way. And then next thing you know, by the end of the moratorium, they're on a different team than they've committed to. So it was one thing for us. We, we never sort of sat there and, you know, said, okay, look, looks like we got this thing done. This was about us, you know, continuing to, um, just stay true to who we are, continue to pitch the idea of him being a part of the Nets. So. Did, did you, so is it almost like as a general manager, you're sitting there following Adrian Wojnarowski on Twitter and saying, oh, so where does this guy want to go? Where does that guy want to go? Because a lot of these rumors obviously start even when the season is going on and then clearly mm-hmm. before you're even allowed to talk to these guys. So does it almost work that way in which as the GM of a basketball team, you're reading this guy's interested in coming here, and you're kind of finding out about that through those circles? Uh, I wouldn't say just those circles, but that is certainly one avenue in which, you know, we get the information just like everybody else. And, and I think to your point, you know, when there's a little bit of smoke, there's, there's often some fire. So um, it's about just being prepared. And, you know, we prepared for this for, you know, really for three years for having this kind of cap space and what we were going to do in this market. Um, you know, it's also credit to all our scouts. You know, our, our, our pro scouts have done a heck of a job, you know, for, for three years now, you know, working the phones and the intel and so forth and being at games and, and just kind of getting a good, uh, a good temperature for where the league is going. I'm going to be honest with you. It was about a week ago. I woke up in the middle of the night and I said to my wife, 
Oh my God, Kevin Durant's in that. I can't freaking believe Kevin Durant's in that. How many times have you done that over the last few weeks? Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. There's been a couple times where I, you know I'm I'm definitely excited about you know Kevin for sure, the whole group, and 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 really the challenge of getting all these guys together on the same page and watching how it unfolds. I think that's that's the magic and that's the real special piece where where you see you know elite talent one want to play together and. See, you know, who's going to sacrifice what, who's going to bring what to the table, and just see how they all mesh. And I think, you know, what role we all play in this, what role our coaching staff, performance staff, Kenny, myself, everybody plays in this is going to be going to be exciting to see how that unfolds. You know, when Sean Marks brings up the notion of culture, and that's why Kevin Durant signed, and that's why Kyrie Irving was excited to sign, it's an indirect shot at what the Knicks have been unable to do. And let's face it, there is a reason that the Knicks have been in turmoil for this long, and that is because they can't build a culture. They keep changing coaches. They keep changing players. They've got no consistency. When they draft a guy like Porzingis, eventually he falls out of favor. He doesn't like the organization. They've got to trade him and restart all over again. And the fact is that what the Nets did is they remained consistent. They did build a culture. They were forward-thinking and they became a place that was attractive to free agents. And even if they don't mean to do it, it is a shot across the bow at the Crosstown Knicks who get all the attention but can't seem to get out of their own way. That's the best of your sports talk for Wednesday, July the 17th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.